This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. It's basically summertime, and unless you've been wadding shirtless all year like an elite boss, you've been, quote, focusing mostly on strength. Well, we know what that means. You've been eating like your plane was going down, and you know it. Leah Kay joins Tyler Minton and the crew to take some questions from the Power Athlete masses about nutrition. Questions like keto versus isocaloric, how to eat on $5 a day, and what to do about choosing the best supplements. How many tacos can you eat in one sitting? Luke claims he can throw back 30, while Tyler is betting a one taco lead at 31. Whether it's competing at the gym or at the dinner table, no power athlete likes to lose. This is episode 155. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? You're tuning into the world's premier podcast in strength and conditioning. You got Luke here. I'm over in Chicago. I'm joining Tyler, who's out in Cali. Leia, Kay, all day tuning in from Lululemon headquarters. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Houston. From Houston, we have a problem. And John, the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Bradley or Bill Brasky, Wellborn, can palm a medicine ball, chew on glass, spit bullets, Wellborn. What's up? Well, I'd actually prefer Bill Brad or Bill Bradley because Bill Bradley really is Bill Brasky, so I'll take anything. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for having me today, Luke. I always appreciate being uh, invited on my own podcast. Oh, you're welcome, John. Well, you know, first question, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't think anyone who listens to the podcast really knows anything about you because you don't, you know, you don't ever speak up during these things. <laughs> it's true. I'm actually going back and listening. So uh, I am going to just merely default to not saying much. So, all right, we'll do this. Let's let's do this then. I mean, Leia, Leia, you haven't been on the show before, have you? Nope. Well, Leia, okay. Uh, so we got Leia and Tyler. Uh, spoiler alert: This show is really going to be nutrition centric. So we're going to fo- focus a lot on nutrition and answer some questions we're getting on uh, Instagram. But Leah, give people uh, the old five minute, who is Leah Kay, how you found us, what have you been doing, what do you do, all that good stuff. I do so many things. It's hard to keep them all straight. Um, I've been actually in CrossFit for a law, a number of years. I started at a gym in 2008 um, and started getting into different styles of programming Um, I also went to nursing school in the middle of all of that. So kind of connecting the like fitness and wellness aspect of things, um, and found CrossFit football kind of like a lot of other CrossFitters did just looking for workouts that I was good at because cardio, long cardio shit is not my bag. So found CrossFit football workouts and was like, 
I can do this. I can do this kind of stuff. Um, and then I got really into the nutrition aspect of it, learning about, um, you know, John's philosophy with everything and how he's been in with Rob Wolf and some of those other guys, um, that I'd been studying. Uh, when I got out of nursing school, I went full-time at our gym and I started doing some nutrition work on the side. So now I do, functional nutrition at a functional medicine clinic in Houston. And then I still coach and compete. Um, didn't make it to regionals this year, but boohoo. But um, that's kind of what I've been up to lately. You're awesome. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I guess to give a little more background on the nutrition gig is John and I have Mostly John. John, I'll give credit where credit's due, obviously, because if I even remotely put an eye in there, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But we, <laughs> John's wanted to get this nutrition service and team off up and running. And it's just like we've, we've been so focused on just programming that uh, as soon as, you know, we've had a, a previous episode with Tyler and Tyler's also on the line. If you guys haven't listened to his podcast, it's killer. Uh, but it was just all kind of right place, right time. And we knew that you two were, were the definite solution to staffing up a nutrition service. So uh, that's up and running now. And, and we get tons and tons of questions over email, the forums, and, uh, and our Facebook group as well. So I figured, why not just make a podcast out of it? Right? Sounds like a plan. All right. So I guess with that said, uh, let's just jump right into the first question that's out there. Okay. Would you recommend – oh, here we go, John. Would you, <laughs> unfortunately, you're going to have to talk. Would you recommend a ketogenic diet for, quote-unquote, tactical athletes? Or would you recommend a more straightforward, balanced, protein-fat-carb, like our isocaloric approach? And I guess, John, go. All right. I would recommend a isocaloric diet. And I really start everybody on an isocaloric diet just because it's a very simple, easy baseline to get people just accustomed to, you know, actually figuring out what they're putting in their body. Um, you know, and I think the problem with a lot of this stuff is uh, everybody's so focused on macros and they assume that there's some magic ratio of macros that is going to help them meet their goals. And at the end of the day, uh, macros don't trump food quality. I don't give a shit who you are or what you claim. Uh, I'll fight you to the death on this one. Um, so really what we did with the ketogenic diet and I'd followed a ketogenic diet, uh, you know, years ago or starting years ago with Dr. Deepa Squall, really cycling in carbs as needed. And it worked great for body composition. And, uh, you know, in the off season, I could put on muscle, I could, you know, really kind of tweak it and you know, figure out what's works best for me. But the minute that I got into the season, I went back to a very balanced isocaloric diet and would eat carbs based on, you know, what I needed. If I was feeling tired, I'd probably eat more carbs. If I was losing weight on the scale, I added more fat, more protein, and more total calories back in. Um, it's not fucking rocket science. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, out, you know, training, you know, a couple of hours a day, banging weights, doing all these things, you're probably going to need more calories. Um, and I really just wouldn't get wrapped around the axle with macros. And I, I think people... Uh, really forget, you know, what they need. So if you're a tactical athlete, and I don't necessarily know what type of tactical athlete you are, but having worked with the guys from Naval Special Warfare and worked with SEALs for years, um, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, putting those guys in a diet that allowed them to eat real foods. I mean, the 
biggest complaint I heard was a lot of guys going on the road and, you know, eating out of convenience stores and what's convenient, what's easy. And, you know, I, on the road, I can't do this. And it's a fucking cop out. Um, there's a grocery store you can go out and you can actually get real foods and then just kind of understanding, you know, how much they need to consume, um, you know, based on some very simple measurements. So would I recommend a ketogenic diet for a tactical athlete? That all depends on what kind of tactical athlete that you are. If you are uh, an operator in the military or doing something, then, you know, where are you within your training cycle? Are you in a workup? Are you on deployment? Are you on, um, you know, uh, just training different uh, training ops? And, um, you know, my biggest thing is, uh, you know, why are you interested in a ketogenic diet? Is it something where you've had, uh, you know, concussions from, uh, you know, explosives and you have, uh, you know, some TBI or you might have some issues with, uh, you know, brain for whatever reasons. And you're looking at kind of a ketogenic approach to trying to manage those. And if that's the case and you're not, and you're looking at it in terms of a health and wellness type of deal, then maybe a, a pure ketogenic diet might be a benefit. But I think for somebody that's looking to ramp up performance, I, I don't necessarily know for that, you know, endurance glycolytic kind of multi, I guess you could say multidiscipline type athlete that might have to do a lot of different things. I wouldn't really get too wrapped around the axle on going to the extremes of, you know, carbohydrates versus anything. So um, short answer, follow the isochloric uh, and then eat as, you know, as you need based on your performance and your body weight and how you're feeling. Um, you know, don't, fucking be weird and don't be a supermodel and try to starve yourself and do a bunch of crazy shit because you think that's what's going to help you. So fucking eat real foods. So John, I guess like in terms of a proverbial in season, there's really no place for it. But if as things settle down or maybe he go on leave or extended leave for whatever reason, and you're trying to, you know, uh, fix some sort of cognitive or TBI type issue, that's where a keto approach might be more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I found um, really good benefit in doing carb cycling, like within the approach we put in the, the ketogenic diet uh, or, or, or ketogenic protocol. Um, and it's really because uh, I have really good sensitivity to carbohydrates. That means I react really well to them. So, uh, but I also don't feel like shit on a ketogenic diet. Like I don't have to eat carb and I fucking feel fine like i it's not like something and i you know and, and I, I always wonder if uh you know hormonally or, or maybe uh, you know genetically or something i'm different because i hear a lot of guys just like you know going on and on as if uh you know their whole fucking life has been sucked out of them because they have carbohydrates because they don't have carbs frankly i don't fucking care uh you know it is, like i can't think of a day where i've been woken up and been like oh my god my whole life's going to end. I haven't had carbs. And I, I, I just hear the, the fucking drama people go through and either I'm not wired like that, or I just don't give a fuck. Like I just, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do what I do and it's not the problem. And then, uh, you know, after when I get to the carb refeed, um, you know, and I'd sit down and eat pancakes and syrup and for that first meal after I trained and dude, I would sit there and I would sweat so bad that my wife would be like, dude, this is getting weird. Like, and you know, and that's part of the deal. You just, you know, it's working about those big flips and, uh, you know, but uh, I think if you're a person um, that, you know, uh, you know, tries to keto and we, you know, I get emails and I'm sure there's, if I click on my phone, there's going to be numerous questions talking about a ketogenic diet, how bad people feel. And I'm like, dude, um, you know, like I, uh, you know, I don't always kind of figure that out a little bit, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, nutrition is about 
fueling your body for performance. And if you're ever in a situation where, you know, I feel like fucking shit, my whole world's coming to an end and you're, you know, not in a situation like, Hey, I got to step on stage in a, in a skimpy pair of underwear to, you know, pose in a bodybuilding contest and trying to get down to really low single digit fat. Yeah. You're not probably not going to feel well. You're going to have to fucking starve off some water. You're going to have to die. You have to do all these things. But if you're talking about a healthy athlete based on performance, whose goal is to go out and kick ass, then you know what, like, um, you know, then what are you worried about a few ounces of body fat? Like, you know, probably a little bit more body fat would be helpful. So, um, if you're, you know, and, and you know, I guarantee I run into it all the time. People are like, Oh, I feel like shit in the ketogenic diet. Well, it's great. Then you know what, if you feel like shit, then probably that isn't the best approach from you. Uh, you know, for me, um, when I do it, I don't feel bad. I actually feel really good. And, uh, you know, it works for me, but you know, everybody's genetically and hormonally a little bit different. So, and also dude, uh, I'm not out fucking running, you know, mile after mile. I mean, our stuff is bang heavyweight, short, quick, quick and hard. And so the demands of what I'm doing, um, you know, are a little bit different than, I mean, a tactical athletes kind of a broad and general, uh, you know, moniker, but you know, if you, you know, based on the guys that I've worked with who could be doing anything from like sprinting 50 yards with, uh, you know, some heavy to, you know, having to hike 10 clicks at 12,000 feet. I mean, you know, what I'm looking to do is really just kind of balance their diet and be able to provide them different macros or different macronutrient ratios based off of what allows them to do their job the best. So that's the short. So does that answer it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tyler, got anything? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, I did, I did a keto diet for a while. Um, and, and really the, the biggest thing I had personally, I had really hard time sleeping. Like my, it, I, I kind of became an insomniac when I was on it, but there was things that, you know, that, that I'm, I'm, it's something I'm, I'm wanting to revisit personally just and, and tweak it a little bit. Um, you know, but like with the carb refeeds and stuff to try to actually like see, you know, how I can get that out. So it's something that I want to continue to tweak and, and work on with myself because, you know, I, I have personally had some brain injuries and things like that. So for those properties, you know, I love it as far as like the tactical athlete. I mean, you know, I, I'm with John and anyway, I really think the isocaloric is the way to go. Um, for one, you know, I've, I've been on bases. I've, I've been to the defects, you know, I went to Afghanistan and Kuwait um, over Christmas and stuff to do some seminars and such. And it is so stupid easy to eat the way that we recommend people eat. If you're on base, um, it blew my mind how perfect it is. I mean, all the places there, you know, they might have like a taco Tuesday or pizza or something, but they always have like rice. They always have chicken. They always have fats. I mean, so an isocaloric diet is just, it's so much easier to maintain. You know, if you travel a lot, isocaloric is so easy to do. Um, you know, I stick with an isocaloric just because I travel a lot. So it's really, really easy for me. So I think for the, the tactical athlete, you know, if you're someone just training like a tactical athlete, um, you know, you might be able to fudge around with it a little bit, but for the person who's, you know, a legit real, real world tactical athlete, like doing, doing real stuff like that, I think an isocoric approach to this is just, you know, I, again, for one thing, I think it's super simple and I think it's going to keep you, um, you know, glycolytic and, and, and keep your energy up all day, which most of these people, they don't need it. You know, they don't, they don't, it's hard to carb cycle because, you know, if I put, if I front load all my carbs at breakfast, cause I'm going to work out, but what happens if, you know, it hits the fan in the evening, you know, you never really know. So I think that that's core approach is a lot better for people who just at any moment might have to get up and go and, you know, do God's work. 
Nice. I think we stomped it. Uh, all right. Next one. Meal frequency. Are more frequent meals, let's say six to eight, superior to less frequent, let's say three to four meals per day? Um, assuming that the same daily macros hit are in each scenario. This is yeah. my boy Daztronic. Daztronic's dropping it. No, um, uh, you know, like this is this is kind of a age old debate. I mean, this this might be as old as like free weights versus machines. I mean, this might be as fucking old as like you know, uh, fucking you know, cardio versus weights. I mean, you know, the meal frequency thing. Uh, personally, um, I think anybody who is trying to get six to eight meals a day. Uh, is either uh, fucking unemployed or, uh, you know, like must be, have no job and they're independently rich. I mean, uh, um, you know, think about this. If the average person sleeps hopefully seven, eight hours a day, which is roughly means that you have 16 hours available to you, um, you know, and I'd assume, you know, at least an hour of that is involved in, you know, being in a car you know, taking a shower, getting dressed. So, I mean, like you figure like, let's push it all in. So you have roughly 15 hours. So now if you were to try to eat uh, eight meals a day, that means you are roughly eating every hour and 40 minutes or something, which to me is uh, next to impossible to do. But what uh, if it was superior, John? It's not. It's there. There's no way. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think it is not a bad thing to be hungry. And I think that's part of the problem we've run into in this country uh, with um, just a lot of things. I remember uh, um, these. Uh, there was uh, old Russians, and uh, I remember, and I, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was a it was a, a statement that somebody made about uh, you know the Russians make about Americans that you know in, in Russia you eat one bite hungry, opposed to America where they always eat one bite full. And like, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit of hunger. Like that's, that's good. I think that that's part of our system within our bodies. The idea that, you know, like uh, feast and famine that you should eat and then you should feel hungry. Like there's people that I'm sure in this world have never felt hunger. And I don't think that's a fucking good thing that if you're constantly titrating fucking nutrients in the system, the stomach is always full. Um, I, I do. I, I just don't think that's a benefit. Now, let me preface it. Uh, if your goal and you are a professional bodybuilder and you were on a, uh, you know, fucking gram of test a day and you're taking, you know, 25 different drugs, you're stacking on top and you have this insane ability to metabolize protein and, and calories uh, based off of a extremely uh, science or science project type fucking approach. Um, can you utilize that many calories in that? And you're in this constant state of growth in this. Yeah, I, I think it makes some sense. Um, but I think anything really past four or five meals gets to be, uh, you know, uh, a little bit crazy. I mean, I, uh, my son who is seven weeks old eats every three hours. Um, and he's hungry every three hours. He's also 14 pounds and has a stomach the size of what, like maybe a, a plum. So like he eats like, you know, four or five ounces of breast milk and that's what he has. And then he sleeps and like, that's, that's a baby. <laughs> like I like I watch him, you know, and all that kid does is eat and sleep, and he grows, and that's that's fine. But I think once you get to a point, I mean, for me personally, uh, three or four meals is more than enough uh, to get me through the day. 
I mean, I eat a, a, enough at each meal that, you know, I should be able to go three or four hours in between each meal. Um, you know, I mean, we, uh, I definitely have played around with some fasting and actually I kind of like a little bit of fasting. I think there's some really interesting stuff. I mean, there's a real interesting podcast with, um, Ken Ford, where they, and I can't remember the guy they brought in, but uh, he was an expert on fasting, talking about, you know, that our bodies, you know, in terms of uh, evolutionary, that we were kind of based on the species of famine deal, and that a lot of the problems that we're seeing today could be attributed back to this idea that we've been sold on this myth that you have to be constantly feeding yourself. And he made a point that uh, we're not fucking cows. We're not designed to graze. Uh, we are 100%, um, you know, based on this idea of, you know, eat and then kind of move along. So, um, personally, and, and I, I do, I've done bodybuilding diets. I, I had, when I was playing the NFL, I had, uh, you know, these people designing meals and doing all this shit. And like, they had six, seven meals a day. And I remember thinking, I'm so fucking tired of eating and doing this. I just started opening the containers and smashing the meals into three or four containers just because I got tired of fucking shoveling food in my mouth. So do I think it's a benefit? Um, I really don't. Uh, I, I don't really see, and, and I'm sure there are people that are arguing, you know, and like, where's the scientific data on this? That, that's my favorite when people ask for like peer-reviewed information on the efficacy of eating six to eight meals versus three to four. And I'm sure it's fucking out there, but I haven't seen it. But I'm just telling you from my own personal, three to four meals is more than enough. And I don't think it's a problem to actually feel hunger. Now, now when you're man, eating, I know you, have, you want to chime in, but I have a real question. So what about five meals? Does five meals just not fucking work? So it's either six to eight or three to four. I've been doing it wrong, dude. I've been doing five. Yeah, <laughs> no, I am. Um, I, I mean, dude, they're like, like there's some interesting stuff. Like they've, they've actually gone back and looked at like, um, you know, people that have, you know, consistently eaten two meals. Um, you know, and the idea is, you know, like, uh, you know, it's tough. Like, uh, I did a blog post on, you know, somebody asked about, you know, the ultimate fucking secret squirrel, which was like CrossFit football with missed CrossFit endurance and like all this fucking shit and what, you know, why you're following a lean gains, uh, approach. And I actually wrote a blog post called CrossFit Football and Lean Gains. And really what fasting is, is, you know, you set up a, a window of feeding and it helps you, uh, you know, a fancy way to do caloric restriction because there's no way you can eat as many calories in eight hours as what you can eat in 16. So, uh, you know, like, I just think, uh, um, you know, is there more benefit for digestion? I mean, you know, the other thing you got to realize is, how most of the people listening to this and most people out there, at least I think are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 170 to about 210 pounds. So, I mean, realistically, if they're eating 15 calories per pound of body weight, they're eating somewhere around 3000, 3,200 calories, maybe 2,800, somewhere in there, you break that up into like four meals and it's going to be about four, you know, let's say 800 calorie meals or four, you know, 600 calorie meals with a snack somewhere in there. That's not a, I mean, that's not a, fucking terrible amount of food. The problem is, is when you see a lot of these six to eight meals, you're talking about 300 pound guys or 300 pound bodybuilders that are consuming six or seven or 8,000 calories a day. I know when I was playing, uh, I was eating six to 7,000 calories a day and my six meals were six 1,000 calorie meals. Now uh, that's, that's a ton of food. Yeah, but, John, so so what it's worth, I, you know, what, if you click through to my boy, Dad's Tronic, he's, he's a power lifter. 
He seems to be a beefy cat. Like, uh, like he may fall under that 300 plus pound category, you know, or maybe he's totally flattered by this, but I, you know, I don't have a lot to, to go by. Well, he, I mean, and yeah, I mean, if I click through and he was a 300 pound dude and he's like, yo man, I got to eat five, 6,000 calories and there's no way I can eat, uh, you know, 2000 calories at each meal. Um, then I would be like, all right, well, like at the end of the day, if you're going to meet your macros, but his, you know, and it, it might be fucking stomach distension. Like for me personally, I hate the feeling of fucking being stuffed. Like I hate sitting there like, like overeating and Luke and I know this is that we've sat down and all of a sudden our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. And then we, you know, have ego and also the growing up with like, you know, eat what you want, but, or uh, uh, take what you want, but eat what you take kind of mentality. You know, we sit down, we're like, that's a lot of food. And like, we're going to have to eat it all. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there and your stomach's distended. You're like, fuck, why'd I eat this much? And like, to me, I don't sleep well. I don't train well. I don't fucking work well. I just don't do well when I'm fucking overstuffed. So for me, I always, you know, and if, and if his idea is like, hey, I want to eat a series of small meals that a lot feel you know it just i i rather play with the feeding times a little bit but um i i just have never seen people uh you know really make that big a difference like i've never seen anybody that was like i'm eating three thousand calories and i eat it in three meals and then all of a sudden i went from like three thousand calories to six meals and i started eating uh six five hundred calorie meals and i was eating every 90 minutes in this i really haven't seen a huge change within body comp and performance not to say that it wasn't there but when i do it usually becomes a bunch of other shit fucking picks up because nobody does anything that exists in a in a vacuum all of a sudden it's like no i'm going to change my meals up and now all of a sudden i'm getting up early and i'm uh, i'm walking the dog i'm doing a little bit of aerobic work i'm going to bed early or all of a sudden now i'm training a little bit harder so the problem is, is that when people all of a sudden start making these like big changes, it usually comes on the heels of a bunch of other things. So it's just very hard to, to know. So uh, personally, I just haven't seen a big difference. And two, I just hate the idea of having to eat every fucking 90 minutes. Well, I mean, a big thing that people are missing with the eating, you know, six to eight times a day is that the, like you were saying before, the body wasn't designed to graze and you have to, if you're digesting, the body is focusing a lot of energy on the actual digestion process and then it can't do other shit. So one of the reasons why fasting actually can be beneficial for some people is that the cells have a chance to actually like clean themselves up and you get controlled cellular death, um, you know, apoptosis with, with cells that are, have some shit fucked up with them. Um, it kind of cleans up the garbage, so to speak. So when you're, if you're constantly eating, then your body doesn't ever have a chance to do that really, except at night. Um, and you know, you got a whole lot of shit that the body has to do at night. So having the meals spaced out more in like a three to four ratio, I can't eat three meals a day, three meals a day. Like I have to at least have four because just because the timing and when I'm awake, like the hours I'm awake, but um, you know, more than that. And you just find yourself like you're just constantly digesting. And then another thing that I kind of find with people, um, clients that I talk to, people who are eating six to eight times a day, a lot of times the people who are interested in that seem to be interested in like weight loss and like, you know, it's kind of a bodybuilding style diet or whatever. But the problem is, is that they're so out of touch with their body's own like hunger and full signals that those six to eight meals that are supposed to be what, 250 to 300 calories, depending on how big you are, if it's a, you know, especially for like women, they, they're not eating that. They're not having, they're eating normal size meals and now they're eating six or eight of them instead of 
three. So then their calorie count ends up being way higher um, unless they're really, really being specific about measuring and weighing everything. So, no, I, I, you know. I think this too, I, you know, people will always eat, I think, to the point of being uh, satiated. You know, and then, uh, like, people have to understand what that is. I mean, like, you know, the idea of, um, you know, was that meal sufficient to fuel me for the next endeavor? And I think, like, we have this idea, uh, you know, and I think people's perception, and whether it's, you know, leptin production or Brentland or whatever it is, I think people, and, and this is something I was actually reading about recently, is that, you know, as people gain body fat, they start becoming more insensitive to, or the fat becomes more insensitive to different hormones. And yeah, so leptin, leptin resistance. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes, yeah, yeah. So now all of a sudden the same signals that you would have had in the past when you were leaner, uh, all, all of a sudden are quicker and more efficient. Whereas now you have body fat. I mean, the human body's pretty smart. Like, you know, the, uh, the analogy I heard recently is if, if you look at the human body a lot like a bank account, um, if you if you make a hundred thousand dollars and you spend a hundred grand one year, and then all of a sudden in the second year you make twenty five thousand, can you still live as if you made a hundred grand? No, you have to. You know, you might have gone on vacations, you might have had a better car, you traveled, you know, you went out, you had a good time. You all of a sudden cut that in fourth, and what does it do? It doesn't mean you. You, you know, you can't still live like that. It means you probably don't get to go out. You probably don't have the same car. You might not live in the same place. Your lifestyle, your, your lifestyle effectively slows down. Well, the body does that too. Um, it's not, you know, people have this idea that all of a sudden, hey, I've been eating this way. Now I'm going to cut calories and uh, magically my body is going to all of a sudden continue to burn at the same rate. And I don't think it works like that. I think all of a sudden you start cutting calories and the body stops working as efficiently and so that's why when, you know, we do the protocols and work with people, um, the last thing I ever do is really yank calories. If anything, I'd rather turn up the intensity of the workout and try to burn the candle at that end. And, um, you know, and then, you, you know, you look at different people and the first thing they want to do, you know, you look at diet, different diet protocols, you know, first thing they want to do is yank fat out of the diet. And I'm like, dude, if anything, um, you know, why, you know, why do you always want to beat up on the fat and this? I mean, so it just, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, uh, you know, and I figure out like, hey, let's figure out what your BMR is. Let's figure out how many calories you're burning. Let's figure out what's efficient to kind of stabilize. And then, you know what, let's turn it up on the other side. And, you know, like, hey, if, uh, if you got to get up in the morning, go walk the dog for 30 minutes, do some aerobic work, and then you got to train a little bit harder. If you got to cut your rest periods down to, you know, from three to five minutes down to 90 seconds or two minutes to try to push the conditioning, I'd much rather do that than all of a sudden be like, yeah, I've yanked out fucking 1,500 calories. Uh, you know, of your diet trying to get you to lose some pounds because all it does is effectively fucking reduce your available income in the bank account. So, um, you know, it just, it, it, it's just different approaches to things. And, um, you know, the, uh, the one thing I'm, I'm just really, really fascinated by is uh, people's perception of food and perception of diet is kind of sometimes skewed. And I, I wonder if sometimes some of these things are people's perceptions of when they're full. Because, you know, like, um, you know, we'll go out and eat and I'm always amazed at like, you know, fucking people sit down and just crush some food. And then you sit down with other people that are, you know, fairly thin and like, oh, you know, they eat and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really overeat that much. So I don't know. It's just, I mean, I, I know my brother Ed, when he dieted down from like, he was like 230, he dieted down to just over 200, he might be 205, 208. I asked him, I was like, what'd you do? He's like, uh, I just started eating less at every meal. 
He's like, I would just cut it in half and take the take half home immediately, just get it to go box. Cut it in half. He goes, I started eating less at every meal. And, um, you know, I just started skipping breakfast. And he goes, I would just miss a meal here and there and just started eating less. And he lost weight. And he's like, it really wasn't all that complicated. But he goes, I almost had to train my brain to not overeat at every meal and to try to teach myself again what it meant to be full because I don't think I had a perception of full. And I was like, fuck, that was really insightful. That was good information. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, the thing that the thing that I end up telling a lot of people this to be real quick was just eat however many meals you need to do to hit the amount of macros you need to do and still, you know, go with our timing of those macros. So, you know, we don't want anything to like, if your diet stresses you out, if eating six times a day stresses you out, you're doing it wrong because we're trying to limit all this stress anyway. You shouldn't stress, you know, like having to eat shouldn't be stressful. Um, and another thing, you know, like, like I say to my fighters is a hungry dog fights harder. And it's true. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that I noticed and, and my fighters have noticed that if we eat too much on the day of a fight or something like that, like you don't fight as hard. Tyler, if you're a little hungry, and it's, Tyler, it's five o'clock for them. Tyler, I couldn't agree with you more. And I played every NFL game of my life hungry. I would, you yeah. know, we, we would play at noon or one o'clock. I'd get up early and I'd go down and I'd have like a little bit of chicken, maybe a little bit of fruit, just like a little tiny bit, and uh, wouldn't eat. And then, you know, and I played with all these guys who would go crush this big breakfast and they would bring food with them. They'd be eating, and they always asked me, and I'm like, dude, uh, the last thing I want to do is fucking be full or feel sluggish at all from digestion. I don't want any food in my stomach. I want to just fucking ramp it up and, and uh, you know, survive on that little bit of hunger. And for me personally, man, that was like night and day difference. Like I, I just was never one of those guys that could play full. Yeah, well, so it's, it. it's what else? I'll, I'll say, like, what do I say? Like, do you want to, do you want your metabolism digesting food or do you want your metabolism looking for food? Um, yeah. you know, like, when it comes time to fight, man, you, you got to go kill that saber tooth. <laughs> yeah. the, the, a full, a full body's not really looking for food. So, isn't uh, insulin and cortisol also like antagonists? So if you're, you want to have a little, I mean, you want cortisol in the system whenever you're in no, that situation. Uh, it, insulin and um, uh, testosterone, or uh, cortisol and testosterone. Um, insulin is, you know, when blood sugar goes up and you have constant inflammation. Uh, cortisol gets released in response to blood sugar. So, I mean, think, think about fight or flight. All of a sudden, somebody goes through a stress hormone, like that type of situation. Cortisol gets released, and then blood sugar goes up, and then insulin gets re- uh, released in response. Uh, cortisol or uh, uh, insulin and – I'm sorry, testosterone and cortisol uh, fight for the same plane. So, uh, if cortisol is always high, it usually will prevent uh, testosterone from being effective. So, um, but you know, like, you know, you take a look like, uh, we had on the nutrition deal, um, the guy asked the question about, you know, why on the ketogenic diet was my blood sugar high first thing in the morning. And I love how everybody relates it just back to the pure diet. But you know, my first question is what does your sleep look like? Because for me personally, um, my blood sugar is always high in the morning. Then as soon as I eat, it goes down to like 80. And the first thing the doctor asks is how is your sleep? And I was like, well, I think it's okay. And, um, you know, then, you know, realize that probably for some reason my sleep was mis- uh, interrupted and, you know, it could be the fact that I got kids walking in, I got baby crying, I got all these things, but your sleep ends up getting, uh, you know, hindered. And if you don't get good sleep and you have, you know, stress from not sleeping, then, you know what, that can definitely result in elevated cortisol, 
uh, more stress hormone, which could release blood sugar, and then I could have high blood sugar in the morning. So, and then for, funny enough, as soon as I eat, that thing goes right down. And I tested my blood sugar pretty relig- uh, religiously, and you know that was what they found. The only time that my blood sugar was high was first thing in the morning. And so, what did the doctor do? He prescribed me CPAP. And so now I sleep with a an air machine that pumps air into my nose and really went back and had to look at like what was most important. And for me, it was actually sleeping on my side in a position where my airway was most open and really just having to do research on how to efficiently sleep more. And I just, when I felt like I was getting it, we had a baby and now my sleep has been dog shit for the last seven weeks. <laughs> well, like I, it, think, I think we've smashed this question, but sorry, go ahead finish up. John. I, I was telling you, my kid has, uh, he is the loudest, uh, like, um, bodily functions like i'm sleeping and i hear that kid like dude he goes number two and it is so loud he's like farting up a storm and like my, my funny part last night my wife like tabby she's like did you hear him go poop i'm like yeah i think everybody heard him go poop that kid is uh pretty explosive so so he's already got those talents that early on huh uh well you know the um we had an interesting deal in that when he was um when he was born when he came out of the hospital uh his belly button uh, got infected, um, you know, cause there's like a little deal where it's kind of fascinating that, you know, the uh, umbilical cord kind of connects to, um, the urinary tract and urethra and, uh, you know, and then it dissolves and they get there. I mean, there was kind of a little bit of it hadn't, and I forgot the exact term, but it hadn't really dissolved all the way it disappeared. And so there's kind of like a little area down there and ended up getting infected. And so when his belly button fell off, his belly button got infected. So they did take him in and, you know, um, took me to chalk and he had to get some antibiotics on it. And, you know, for a 10 week old or 10 day old baby, you start giving them antibiotics. It kind of fucks up their, um, you know, gut my, or gut biota and kills off the good and the bad. So we started dosing him with probiotics to try to help it. And, uh, it's been like the fight between, you know, the, the Alliance and Darth Vader. I mean, dude, it's like, you know, belly feels good, feels bad. I mean, just cut, you know, try to go back and, reline and rebuild that gut floor has been uh, pretty much what we've been working on for the last seven weeks so i wonder if part of that has to do with his uh extremely loud flatulence so hopefully he'll get better hopefully he's not farting up a storm when he's a little kid that's not what i hope he does (laughs) all right so let's let's move on here we'll go up uh with my man jake he says hey john and team I've uh, been following the If It Fits Your Macros protocol. That's not one of ours for the record. Uh, 20% carbs, 40% fat, 40% protein uh, in a weight loss attempt. All right. Uh, basically, glory days are behind him. I hear this dude. Uh, and uh, so it's time to get in shape. Current numbers, 6'3", 292, maybe 30% body fat, 29% body fat. Um, that was five years ago. Or no, was previous and then five years ago he was like 270 at 20 percent body fat long story short okay he's looking to lower body fat and body weight and maintain performance and lean muscle while cutting weight and fat and is curious if the macro timing of if it fits your macros will be the solution to this as well as maybe paying more attention to strength work rather than uh, the wad on CrossFit football. So he looks like a CrossFit football follower. Uh, no. Yeah. The, here's, the thing, here's the thing with if it fits your macros. That it, like the, the, the it word there, can be the make or break for that. So I tell people all the time, like, there's a difference in what 40 grams of gummy bears and 40 grams of sweet potatoes. 
Um, yeah, one of them tastes better than the other. But yeah. the, the but, fact of the matter is, man, it's just – now, do, do the macros matter? Well, yeah, of course. Like, well, you need to know how many macros you're eating at each meal. But this whole concept that if, if you can – you know, food quality isn't as important as the fact that we just hit that amount of macros. That is so stupid. Like, it, it doesn't I – hate, I hate referring to the body as a car, but that's like putting – unleaded in, in something that needs premium it's just it's so stupid like yeah i, well, I can't understand it yeah no i mean okay so so let's define okay a calorie technically a calorie is a calorie because the way they figure out a calorie is they burn something and they see it which the rate at which it burns and how much heat it gives off and technically that's how they define a calorie of a certain you know deal they're like okay there's x amount of calories in this that's how they find it but the each calorie or more importantly each food or each substance whatever you put in your body is going to have a different response and being like oh um you know a uh uh you know a sugar is a sugar i mean it's just not the case like and and i think um you know the if it fits your macros works really well for people that are already pretty lean uh you know like i but uh, i've seen guys over three percent body fat that ate nothing but chicken mcnuggets so um, the problem I have with it, if it's your macros, is it's kind of like, um, you know, we're offering your cake and eating it too. And unfortunately, I have never seen two exact macronutrient plans, one done with terrible food quality and one that's done with good food quality, uh, you know, actually come out with even even responses. And my only comment is if, uh, if you can show me a healthy profile, somebody that's in good shape, and let me design if it fits your macros, I would love to do it. Because I'm going to give you uh, vegetable oil for a fat. I'm going to give you gluten for protein. And I'm going to give you high, uh, high fructose corn syrup for a carbohydrate. And if you can fit those three into your, if it fit your macros and worry about nutrient timing and this and all that, um, I guarantee you don't, you're not healthy and you're not in good shape. It's just not the case. And, and I, think, I think what we could do to refer this and just get move on to some other questions because it was, this was talked about ad nauseum with uh, Dr. Warren Wiley. When he yeah. was on the podcast. So if you just go on to Power Athlete HQ, search up uh, Warren Wiley, and he'll, he'll pop up. And to give you a brief synopsis is like, you know, for, for a lot of the hard-charging people that are promoting it and getting good aesthetic results, he's like, if I were to pop open the hood and take their blood, it's going to look like dog shit compared to somebody who may have a worse body comp but has been following a more balanced diet based off of food quality, right? And it's just like – you'll get there maybe quicker because you allow yourself to starve yourself with the little rewards, but it's just long story short is you, there's no longevity to it. Right. Well, the, the other one is I saw, I follow uh Lane Norton on Instagram and he like posted up a picture and it was him at uh I, I used to live in Tampa and he was at a burger joint in Tampa and he's like, you know, holding up this pretty awesome looking burger and fries. And he was like, you know, if it fits your macros and like I was laughing and being like, um, I, didn't know a, a burger and some sweet potato fries was uh, on the other side if it fits your macros. I figured that was pretty good food quality. And I kind of laughed a little bit. And then I realized that probably some of the backlash he runs into where they're talking about is the bodybuilding community that believes that, you know, uh, a diet of brown rice and fucking boiled chicken is the only way you get in shape. And I think, like, the, if it fits your macros – kind of goes back to that kind of uh, fighting against that a little bit. The idea that it's, you know, steam, you know, steam broccoli, boiled chicken and brown rice is the only way you can lean out. So uh, it goes, but the problem is, is that, you know, people see it to bits your macros and like, well, Hey, I need uh, 50 grams of sugar right here. So I'm going to eat, you know, half a pound of gummy bears and then I'm going to get, uh, 
you know, I need to get some protein. Great. So I'm going to go over and wow, let's figure out here. Oh, wait, hold on. This, uh, this, you know, fucking muscle milk right here has got nine grams of protein, but also has 40 grams of sugar. But you know what? I'm not going to worry about that sugar. So, um, I, I just don't buy into it. Uh, I, you know, and you know, I'm sure there's people out there. I mean, there's probably entire forms in the bodybuilding.com fucking era that, um, you know, or dedicated if it fits your macros. And I, you know, I mean, I, I posted stuff on, you know, food quality trumps everything else. And, you know, I always get people being like, oh, it's not true. It doesn't matter. And being like, dude, just because you don't agree with it or you don't, you know, like it doesn't make it true, you know, or if it doesn't fit your personal agenda, you know, it just isn't true. And um, I just don't think that, you know, we're in a situation today where people can honestly look you in the face and say, food quality does not matter. If that was the case, and I, and dude, I always think about this too. If, uh, if calorie balance was, uh, was the only thing we had to worry about and food quality didn't matter, how come, um, as Luke and I drive to work every day, there's a homeless dude that sits on the corner of, uh, uh, on 17th and we drive by him and he's mentally insane, but he's also about 500 pounds. Would you say Luke 450, 500 pounds? Easy. Like, Easy. I, I, you know what? People are probably gonna, I don't care. I'll tell you what I call him. I call him the walrus. He looks like a fucking walrus out there. And he's oh, yeah. got this amazing tan because he just sleeps with his shirt off all day in the grass. Like, I'm the yeah, big thing. But, but have you ever seen uh, people bring him fast food all the time? And I sit there and I watch him eat. And, like, dude, I've seen people drop off and bring him fast food and he eats out of the trash can because he's right there at 7 Eleven. And, like, I literally have seen the guy sit down with like people will always you know it's Newport Beach people see it and like oh it's unfortunate and the guy is mentally handicapped I mean I've sat at the stoplight and listened to him have some pretty irate conversations with himself and uh and I watch people bring food all the time and I always think like if it was purely on calorie balance then you know uh like this guy's obviously homeless I mean he doesn't have a kitchen like he might he doesn't have refrigeration he has no access I'm sure there's days he, he doesn't eat but like you know, how is he that heavy? And, um, you know, and that was kind of a, one of the points and I actually researched a little bit and it's this deal where, you know, people that tend to eat the worst kinds of foods, you know, have the bigger problems. And I, I really believe that obesity is, is much more of a hormonal issue than it is a, a calorie balance issue. Cause if it was all this, you know, I mean, dude, think about it, this country, when you go to a doctor and if you're overweight, what do they tell you? Eat less and move more. And, and I always trip out on that because most of the doctors are fat. That's another one I love. It's like I, I, we went to the doctor and the guy's like, oh, you know, eat more, move less. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Do you eat, you know, like you're not in good shape. And so I always think like if it was that simple, then, you know, we either have a nation of some really lazy fucking people that can't count any calories or it has to be something bigger than that. And, you know, and, and I, I really believe that, uh, you know, obesity you know, we get into it when you look at like, you know, type or, um, you know, stage one type obesity, which would be a BMI, you know, as the way they define it over 30, which is ironic seeing as my BMI is like 30 or 31. So technically I'd be stage one obese. 32 um, all day. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, so. so either the, John, John, let's do this though. Let's, right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's yeah, do this. So here's his macros. Let's say he's doing 20% carbs, 40% fat, 40% protein. Let's just play a game and say we buy in. And let's give, uh, let's give our man a, a piece of advice. How would you lay that out if you were to eat, let's say, four meals and train in the evening? Um, 
Well, uh, would you do like the, you do majority of those carbs around his training time, right? And then keep protein relatively constant throughout the day, and then maybe tinker up fat as the day goes on. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, what I you know historically usually do with athletes is I try to keep uh, the majority of the carbohydrates in the pre and the post workout window, and you know, and then I you know lower the fat, keep the protein pretty constant. And then the farther away you get from the workout window, I start kind of adding more fat into the diet. And that's just a standard approach. But, you know, the bigger question here, here is, um, you know, the 40% protein, how much, uh, you know, how many calories is eating, how many grams of protein? I mean, if he's eating 5,000 calories and he's eating. Uh, well, he's two, yeah, he's 292 and he's trying to lean out. So you probably bet they have him on what, 11 to 12 calories per pound? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, for a 300-pound athlete, um, you know, I, I think for me personally, and I can actually pull it up when I went and got my BMR done, um, you know, I weighed 284 pounds, and my BMR was uh, just under 3,500 calories. So, um, you know, like, that's kind of pretty, so this you know, dude, Yeah, this dude's probably under, which is, they probably have him under 4,000 calories. Yeah, he's under 4,000 calories, so it's a 1,000-calorie meal, 4,000, uh, let's say, hold on, 4,000, uh, so he's probably eating 400 grams of protein, which uh, is probably a lot, so I would probably, I mean, personally, um, I would I would probably mess, or I'd probably skin his macros, and I'd probably um, drop his protein a little bit, I'd probably, uh, uh, you know, just go isocaloric and, or even play with his fat and play with his deal. But I think the problem is, is that, uh, for this guy, I mean, you know, is he going to have to move more? I mean, when you start talking about somebody that's 30% body fat, I mean, that's yeah. pretty significant in the body fat. He might have some hormonal issues and definitely should go see a doctor or see a guy. So, like but let's, but I, th- listen, let's just get, let's answer his question instead of like confusing him. Okay. So uh, like, how, how, would you, how would you space it out? Um, uh, I'd probably have him wake up first thing in the morning and, um, you know, I would assume he's doing some form of aerobic type work. I'd let him go out on a walk and do it fasted. I'd come home and have him eat, uh, you know, probably, uh, some form of, you know, uh, protein. And I definitely give him some form of fat, whether I give him like some eggs, a little bit of meat and, you know, some greens and then obviously some fat. And then I'd probably do something similar. If he ate his first meal at like seven thirty in the morning, I'd probably push him out a little bit, like probably 11, 11 30 have another meal that would be kind of more protein and fat. And then obviously if he trains later in the night, then that third meal is pre-workout meal with probably more protein, more carb, and then let him train. And then I'd probably give him a uh, pretty decent uh, protein and and carb meal post-workout, assuming he's training at night. Um, I just think it's easier to kind of partition the carbohydrates really around that workout window just because it makes it more, uh, you know, type of fuel. And, uh, you know, I just don't think you need a, a ton of carbohydrates away from that meal or away from that workout time. So, and also we've seen some really good effects of people just waking up and doing some, you know, uh, aerobic type work, just fasted and then eating a, a protein and fat meal, um, you know, and, you know, we've had some great results with that. Perfect. And now here's the next question. And it is how many tacos can the power athlete crew collectively consume for Cinco de Mayo? So let's say we were to go to sit down right now at Taco Mesa, John, and we had not eaten. We had just ran the hill, maybe chased it with some prowlers, had a light salad dinner the night before, and we go down to do work at Taco Mesa. 
how many tacos are you putting down? Uh, well, seeing as I cannot eat anywhere near the amount of tacos Luke can, so whatever Luke has is divided by half, and I'll be a bitch. All right. I think I could do – Tyler, what are you thinking? Because we, we crushed that sushi that one time. That was uh, – yeah, that was insane. Like, they were looking at us uncomfortable – you know, like, like I was expecting to come try to convince us that, that they were closing. And he kept, like, smiling. Like, we had a fan club there. Yeah. They, were, they, like, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't believe. They, they couldn't believe that we were putting away that much sushi. I think I'm going to say I could do 30 tacos. 3-0. Oh, yeah, easy. I, 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 could, I could do 15. I could probably do half of whatever you can do. Dude, one of Luke and I's first trips, we went to Utah. And there was this man versus food challenge, which was like a 12 egg omelet, a pound of meat, a pound of potato, and like a 40 ounce thing of whole milk. And you got to eat it. What was it like 30 minutes? Yeah, I was 15. I did it in eight. Yes. So 15. We start and dude, like Luke absolutely houses this fucking thing. And like, I'm not even like halfway through the potatoes. And I saw how far Luke got. I just tapped out. I'm like, I'll pay. I'll just pay. Yeah, and that was that was early in my career with CrossFit football where I still kind of sipped on coffee. But then, like, as you travel with John, you learn how to chug piping hot coffee, and it really – you get into this immunity to heat in your mouth. And that – remember that breakfast was so fucking hot? <laughs> That's how they got you. They brought it out on, like, this fucking red-hot skillet so yeah. you couldn't eat the food, you know, like, fast enough. And I, like, I didn't fucking fall for it. I just did it anyways and just burned my mouth to win. Dude, the, uh, so you got four. You have fifteen. I've got thirty. Lay a cake. Chime in. How many tacos do you think you're gonna sit, eat and eat it, or eat in a sitting? And they're probably like two to three ounces of meat. Uh, Is it uh, like the let's say uh, compare it to the fish tacos from the symposium? Uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I had, I think I had six of those at the symposium lunch. When you when Rob Wolf accused you of trying to poison him with gluten, <laughs> <laughs> shoot, so you figured it out. Yeah, gluten bombing Rob Wolf should be actually a uh, a sport or like a reality show. Being like, we've secretly replaced Rob's normal, you know, meal with uh, something that was laced in gluten. Let's see what happens. And then the look on Rob's face when he gets gluten dosed, and then all of a sudden reaching into his pocket for the hazmat sign to put on the bathroom door is pretty epic. <laughs> I don't know. I think if I'm hungry, I could probably get maybe 12. All right. I have a big appetite. I'm not a small person, you know. So. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm fine with that. So that puts us at 57. All right. Well, let's move on to something that's more helpful to people, supposedly. All right. Uh, John, I think, uh, I think we could all probably contribute on this one. We got, what is the best way to eat like a Viking when you cook for yourself and you're in an apartment that doesn't allow a grill on the patio? So this guy doesn't have a grill. I'm assuming there's probably like a smaller oven and what there definitely needs to be, and I'm just going to go ahead and like bait everybody, at least one crock pot. Yeah, I mean, the, um, you know, I, uh, I lived in an apartment building in Kansas City that did not allow, I mean, I, I do, we had a balcony. And, like, I bought a barbecue. I'm out there fucking barbecuing. And then all of a sudden, like, 10 minutes after I, like, finish and clean up, there's, like, a letter slides underneath my doorway. And I, like, open. I go out there and look. I don't see anybody. 
And it was like from the management council that, you know, you're not allowed to barbecue on the patio. And I was like, fuck me. So um, I had to figure out new ways to cook things. And I ended up with a crock pot and a pressure cooker. And what's cool about the crock pot is you can throw stuff in it and wake up in the morning and it's done. Uh, the pressure cooker works just like the crock pot, but in a really short amount of time. So I would come home and uh, throw stuff in the pressure cooker, cook it up, and then I could have my meal if, if I didn't get something or I needed something done quick. And, uh, you know, those two were ideal. I think everybody should have a pressure or uh, should have a crock pot at the very least. Uh, the other thing which I didn't know about then, which I would gladly have today, would be a sous vide. Uh, that sous vide thing, I mean, we've been cooking with it, it's pretty amazing. And uh, John Herbal uh, sent me that as a Christmas present. So we've been using that a lot. So I, I believe me, as much as I love the barbecue, I think, uh, you know, on a big green egg, I think having other uh, things in the kitchen like the pressure cooker and a crock pot and a sous vide are, are just as important. I had a grill pan when I lived in an apartment. And it, I mean... It wasn't that bad. A grill pan, and then I had a bunch of friends that had those little George Foreman or whatever, if you just kind of wanted that grill line look. I mean, it doesn't taste like it's barbecued, but... There's there's probably nothing worse on this planet that's edible than a George Foreman grilled (laughs) piece of frozen chicken. I mean, that Uh, is like... In in college, I would throw the the, uh, the frozen chicken breast on the foreman i wouldn't even defrost yeah. it yeah yeah that's what i did i didn't know you had to yeah. Yeah, well you don't because <laughs> i ate that and that's why i hate chicken more than anything else in my life uh but a, a george foreman grilled pe- burger patty isn't the worst yeah so, that's not that bad put some fucking seasonings on it could be in a bitch and put in plain chicken breast on it does any hey john do you think we could let's track down a george foreman grill like one of those big ones and let's just make one huge george foreman sized meat patty Sounds horrendous. That sounds delicious. There you go. Eat like a Viking. That's what I would do. Cool. But uh, no, that's a solid one. Good question. All right, let's go over here. Let's jump down to uh, what ingredients should you try to stay away from when shopping for supplements? So let's, that's this is a little two-parter. So what do you guys think on that one? Yeah. So, so with that, it, it's really with the, uh, the kids at keep it simple, stupid, all the stuff have like a, concocted proprietary blend all that it's garbage um you know in 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 my opinion you know if you want creatine just the 100% creatine monohydrate still the best um you know if you want to add some something to to help you sleep um you know you can get some 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 things like that if it's your circadian rhythm uh, you know we get some melatonin I'm a big fan of the sleep cocktail uh you know Rob Wolf and Dr. Kirk Parsley um any of this pre-workout stuff it's just a bunch of stuff put together you know, X amount of this, X amount of that, proprietary blend, all of that. Um, that's just a big warning for me not to take any of that junk. Um, so I, I, I keep it really simple. You should have whey protein, you know, carbohydrate powder, maybe BCAAs, maybe creatine, maybe I pretty much think everybody should take creatine, but some just don't want to, but you know, the, in the grand scheme of things, like the, the more tricky it gets with uh, supplement ingredients, just the, the less you need it in my opinion. Leah, you got anything to add? Um, I don't. I don't take a lot of supplements. I take vitamins, supplements, not like pre-workout extra. Sh- I take creatine, um, but the stuff that I get, I always go for the medical brand 
supplements, like any kind of vitamin or anything, I get the kind like that you have to get from like a chiro or a doctor or something because the stuff that they have in the, you know, nutrition depots or whatever, like you don't, you don't know what's in that stuff. It's not regulated. You could be taking anything. You could be taking fucking chalk. So what would you you say to someone who says, oh, but that stuff's too expensive? I mean, I know this is kind of a softball, so. Well, I mean, there's, you don't need a lot. You you really just stick with the basics and work on your food choices then. If you don't want to put them, I mean, a supplement is a supplement. It's not, hence the name, it's extra. It's not something that you maybe necessarily have to have to reach optimal health yeah sure it's great if you can get it then you get it but if you just stick with the basics and focus more on your food choices then you know you can you can get a lot of the extra stuff um spend some money on a good quality like whey protein and some creatine and you'll be pretty good to go from there solid and i guess the the other thing is if you're just like, oh, I'm saving $20 on my protein. But like you said, Leah, you're taking uh, like Hershey syrup and, and like sidewalk chalk mashed up and mixed up and it tastes good. You're not getting fucking yeah. protein. Like you don't Dude, know what you're taking. The, so you're not saving yeah. any money. You're throwing away the money you think you're saving. The supplement industry is, it's kind of scary whenever you really look into it at what is in those various like, protein like Tyler was saying proprietary blends and stuff you don't know you know and half the time you're getting upsold on the marketing anyway (laughs) yeah for sure so yeah so I guess just the I mean John wouldn't would you agree that you know what we used to promote at least is like the people who are going through the trouble to find grass-fed or to to put together a grass-fed whey product are typically wed to, you know, like the, the SFH people are wed to quality and aren't going to put fillers in, aren't going to blindside you with a, a fucking, you know, bullshit like that. And I know like when we had well food up and running, we knew that that was quality protein. We didn't have to fucking worry about it. But I guess when I hear somebody ask about supplements, they're probably asking about like the big ones that people take a multivitamin, a fucking pre-workout. Yeah. A I always go back to to uh, Doc Bueller, you know, talking about when he worked with the Jazz that mm-hmm. you know they, they signed a supplement deal, and next thing you know, this company was providing supplements to all the players, and then he was in there testing the guys, and they were having big problems. So he ended up taking out having an independent lab check the supplements, and they were full of a bunch of crap he didn't want these guys taking. So uh, for me, I'm uh, you know I'm very fortunate in that I have people like Tom Ingledon and different people that do uh, you know quality testing on things and only promote the best and so if I ever have a question about hey uh, you know what about this what about this I mean Tom was like hey no this one's real good we've tested this one and actually at the point now where I'm just like hey Tom I will only source my stuff from you because I know you're going to send me exactly or at least recommend hey take it from this like if there's a probiotic or anything I reach out to either a Tom or a Rob Wolf or different people I mean I take Doc Parsons sleep cocktail um, and I really just try to buy stuff from reputable brands and, you know, have, you know, everything good. I mean, I've, uh, you know, tested things like I take alpha lipoic acid before meals and, um, you know, and I know it's pretty interesting. I mean, alpha lipoic acid controls blood sugar and a, a good test for the alpha lipoic acid is to take it and not eat and see how you feel. And, um, you know, I've taken, I, I tried to take like, you know, you're supposed to take like, you know, 300, like one pill. I've taken like 12 and, you know, 
1200, you know, 1500, you know, 2000 milligrams of the alpha lipoic acid and not felt anything when I didn't eat. And then I take some of like the stuff that Tom sent me, I take like one or two of his pills and instantly like I'm starting to feel like a crash a little bit. So, um, you know, the problem is I think with a lot of supplements is people really don't feel a difference one way or the other. Like it's very hard to, to feel like small little changes within the body. I mean, that's why we like to get blood work and sleep and performance training on this. So you can have a matrix and test things. But, um, you know, how many people are like, man, when I was taking this one supplement, all of a sudden, you know, my performance was through the roof. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of an arbitrary thing. And I think it's kind of a shotgun approach. People, you know, just randomly take stuff because somebody does, Hey, well, I, I took it and I felt better. Well, you know, little do you know that they were deficient in something. So how does it help? So, uh, I know for me personally, um, you know, I get my blood work done. I see where I'm micronutrient deficient. And then uh, I sit down with, a, you know, with Tom and go through it. And I need to take this, this, and this. And then I take that. And then we have a retest six months later. And was there improvement? Was there a change? Because, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, there's no change. And at that point, you either have to look at something else, up the dose, or continue to do it. So um, the supplement game is extremely murky. And uh, without... Um, you know, having some understanding of, you know, what you need and what you don't need. I think you're just shooting, uh, shooting in the dark. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when fish oil kind of got hot, everybody was on the rubble fish oil count you know, calculator taking 30 grams a day. And like, fuck, that was way too much. But, you know, that's the idea of like, well, if one's good, a hundred's better. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of up in the air a little bit on the supplements. Uh, you know, yeah, we had well food co. We, I knew exactly what was in that. It was the, to me, it was the, the best, you know, whey protein I could source for, for the company. Um, now I'm, uh, you know, kind of skeptical on a lot of stuff and, you know, really don't even take whey protein anymore. So, I mean, if I find a good one, I'll get back on it. Um, and just kind of just, it's, it's all, it, seriously, it's all about experimenting and more importantly, finding what you like. And for me at this stage of my life, quality is the most important. And unfortunately, People don't care. They'll buy whatever they can because it's a dollar cheaper, not realizing that it could be complete bullshit because there's no supplement regulation. So I think if cost is your only uh, uh, concern when looking at supplements, you shouldn't take them. Fair enough. All right. So here we go. Another leaning out and maintaining performance question. Um, So you obviously – so we got – I'm just going to go ahead and read it. When trying to lean out and maintain performance, do you restrict calories through decreased fat intake or decreased carb intake? Also, how much protein does an athlete really need and how much is going to waste? Uh, school of thought being one gram per pound of body weight and only being able to process 30 grams of protein at any given time. Okay. So, so the thing is here, like it, it depends on your carbs and fat. Like what are you, it's, it's, what are you doing? Like, you know, we talked about earning your carbs. Did you just do something where you earned your carbs leaning out or what? It doesn't matter. Uh, you need to eat carbs there. Not doing so much. We might fill those gaps with fat. Um, as far as the, um, yeah, the few, the, the 30 grams of protein here and there, every, I, I hate that one. That's like saying, you know, me, you know, I can only absorb 30 pounds. Uh, John's daughters can only absorb 30 pounds and Brock Lesnar or 30 grams and Brock Lesnar can only absorb 30 grams. It's stupid. Like it's, it's saying that we can all 
you know, no matter what your body type is, no matter how much you're doing, uh, no matter, you know, what, what you're doing every day, like you can only absorb 30 grams at a time. That's silly. Everybody's body's different. And, you know, John said it, I've seen it. And the thing is, is, you know, like I've never, you know, I, I have never had someone come to me with poor performance and bad body composition due to the fact they were eating too much protein. Um, but almost always if someone is underperforming or they don't like their body composition, I, w- I would even feel confident saying always it's because they weren't eating enough protein. Um, you know, so there's this big fear of eating too much protein, but it just, you know, like, I feel like you have to actively do it, like trying to be silly and, and, and stuff to, to, you know, maybe you're 150 pounds and trying to follow the rocks diet or something, but it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never bought into this, uh, 30 grams of protein. I think that's fucking horseshit. Um, I would kind of avoid that one. And where that whole deal got started was, uh, the zone and Dr. Barry Sears, which, um, you know, we've since beat up on that enough to really show that there's no validity in anything he says. Uh, the, uh, you know, the other problem too, is I'm not a fan of uh, yanking fat out of the diet. You know, it's, it's really easy to do because fat is, you know, twice as calorically dense as protein and both carb. So, you know, if you're looking to really keep the food volume very similar, uh, it's easy to reduce calories by yanking out fat. And so that's what people do. Um, and that's a pretty standard approach. People start with a you know, fairly balanced approach. And then as you start dieting down, what they do is they periodically yank out 500 calories. and They usually leave the carbs and the protein constant and hit the fat. Uh, for me personally, I don't really like to yank fat out of the diet. Um, so if I'm going to yank calories, I'll, to, I'll tend to yank out carbs and fat and try to leave protein more constant. Um, so, but you know, that's really based on individual athletes. And I think for certain athletes, they process carbohydrates better than others. So for like a guy like Luke, uh, I would probably end up, you know, pulling more fat than carb. And for myself, I tend to pull carbs and leave the fat, but that's just based on, you know, that I do really well with, with, on a, you know, lesser carbs. And Luke, on the other hand, does really crappy on a lower carb diet, but we also got, you know, fitness genes and got some genetic testing that confirms that, but you know, going into that, we, we already knew it. And then all of a sudden we get the fitness genes done and we're like, Oh yeah, well I process carbs very well. So I might not need as many, whereas Luke is more inefficient where he can handle a little bit more. So I, I think what it comes down to is there's no really one size fits all approach. And, um, you know, asking questions like this without us ever training or knowing or knowing anything about you as an individual is just really a shot in the fucking dark. So, I mean, these questions are you know great. Well, but, and then another thing, day, another thing, like, I think the biggest caveat even behind that, John, and something that I think we, I, I don't know, my personal experience, um, but trying to lean out and maintain performance is like, you know, what is the performance? Like, are you trying, like, are you trying to just be a good CrossFitter, you know, or is your livelihood on your ability to perform on the field like yours was? Like, why the fuck would you even want to lean out if performance is the, is the, the all ending, you know what I mean? So it's like, Sure. To me, if I were to talk to like a general pop person who's not getting paid to perform, I would say your performance is likely going to suffer if you want to get quicker gains trying to lean out. Or you can maintain performance and it's going to be a much flatter leaning out curve. You know what I mean? Like those two, I don't think go hand in hand. And unless, John, and like, and you guys tell me, because I'm not the fucking, you guys are smarter than I am, unless you go through the testing. You get your blood work. You make sure your adrenals are in order. You determine your carb sensitivity. You know your BMR, like all that stuff. Then I think you could start to tinker, but that's where it becomes a lot of moving pieces and expensive to figure that shit out. 
Yeah, I agree with you. So I guess best way to do it, uh, you're shooting in the dark until you figure out what works for you. Sorry. That's kind of what we all came down to, right? Um, all right. I mean, there's like, I'm just afraid of some of these questions, to be honest with you. Uh, John, I'm going to let you go on, uh, get going on this one and lay it. Uh, did you have anything to jump on with any of those? Uh, with the like leaning and performance yeah, kind of thing. Well, I honestly think, like you said, there's only a couple of performance aspects that I could think of where being lighter would be beneficial for performance, um, especially as it relates to like say CrossFit, for example, yeah, sure. Maybe your gymnastics skills would improve a little bit. Thus your performance would improve, but then you're going to suffer as far as strength and stuff is concerned. It really is a, um, uh, like a, an experiment for everybody. And for the most part, you you're going you know if you're really actively trying to seek leaning your performance is going to suffer and if that's okay with you cool but if you have to keep yourself in peak performance then maybe this is either the wrong season or time for leaning um, and you should put it on the back burner until maybe like an off season or something like that or maybe you should just decide that it's really not worth it being as you know leaner and just fucking try and destroy people in your sport that's what i've I think that people like have a hard time with that anyway. Like, and I'm, I can't say that I don't either, obviously being female, I think. And in, you know, there's a certain aspect of being lean. That's definitely appealing um, or being leaner, but in the end, like you just got to realize that what you do performance wise, more people care about, like it's more important or it should be more important than what you look like. So yeah, fuck the bullshit images of vanity and what Instagram models are making you think is real. And don't get started, John. You're not allowed to talk on that one. All right, John, this one's for you, buddy. I think you have an idea of of what this is going to cost. How much money do you all budget per meal per day? Oh, geez. $5, uh, right? Yeah, well, uh, actually, it's uh, $1.25 happy. <laughs> Remember from the uh, uh, toll booth, Willie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, like, oh, uh, I don't know. For, like, for me, it's a, a family of of four. So, uh, you know, I periodically buy meat and, and big, big deals. So I don't think I could personally break my meals down into per deal. I, I just don't know. I mean, we, we don't really cook like that. So, I mean, um yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, well, I, 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 I guess I was getting to John is like uh, what you theoretically didn't you just write a blog post for a guy who's going to spend five bucks a fucking day? I did, but uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, there's no way that I could feed my family on five dollars a day. So, I mean, what do I personally spend? I have I, I couldn't tell you. I really I kind uh, yeah. I guess I kind of have an idea. So I try to like I'll go to the market every day after work. I don't know. It's I just like it. Like see my my Sprouts girls, my Sprouts guys. I say what's up. See what's going on with the family. And I'm typically for dinner for me and Packy like twenty to thirty bucks, and that makes it up for the evening and to supplement breakfast in the morning with whatever's left over, and then probably fuck, what does breakfast cost for oatmeal or sweet potato or, you know, rice and then some eggs? I mean, maybe 
eight bucks for that meal. Maybe like that's in that stretching it. And then lunch is probably another eight bucks and then snack or whatever that fourth meal might be or come up. There's gotta be five bucks. So what does that? Yeah. Come to? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it really goes back to how much, you know, like how much you feel comfortable spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, I rather spend a bigger portion of my available income on food than on other things like, um, you know, shit, I don't really buy, well, I actually had to buy some jeans recently, but, uh, you know, yeah, I don't really, clothes, shoes. Yeah, like I don't really waste money on, uh, on clothes. Um, you know, I mean, what do we drive three miles each way on, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, to work on our commutes, we don't waste a lot of gas money. I mean, for the majority of stuff, like for us, I mean, and, and, and I'll tell you what's pretty interesting is since we had the baby, uh, we don't really go out to dinner uh, because, you know, little man's got to eat every three hours. So we've been staying at home and really doing everything. And it's pretty amazing, like not going out to dinner, how much, uh, you know, that adds to your, you know, available budget. Oh, yeah, dude. I know Ashley and I just did dinner in a movie with like uh, the clinic and his wife and uh, Benny Cakes, and it was two hundred bucks for dinner in a movie. For you, for all of y'all, just for me and Ashley. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's Newport Beach for you. Yeah, your movie is uh, more expensive than my movie. We'll say, was that like like three D with reclining? Oh, dude, this, <laughs> honestly, where we live in in the country is like the most expensive place I've ever been. Like we did, uh, I remember a couple years ago uh, before we had kids, we did a seminar in the Midwest, and I remember my wife went to like Whole Foods and got like a like some lunch, or I forgot what it was, and then that next weekend we were out here in California. And she went and got the exact same thing at a Whole Foods. And, like, the cost was, like, I think we figured out it was, like, 60% higher out here than it was back in the Midwest. I mean, just everything. Like, the cost of living out here is so insane. Like, I mean, I took my daughter to a matinee, and I think it was still 20 bucks. <laughs> you know? Like, it, it's, just, it's just, for some reason, like, everything out here is so much more expensive. Like, when we, uh, when we visited and hung out in Texas for a week, like my wife was like, uh, you know, how, how much was dinner? And I'm like, oh, it was like thirty dollars. And she's like, a person? I'm like, no, for all of us. She's like, wow. She's like, when was the last time we went out to dinner and it was thirty bucks? I'm like, you probably weren't with me because I was by myself. You know, like it's just it's just where we live in California. I mean, just everything, like whether it be car insurance. I mean, I, I remember I paid. Uh, I had like three cars, which is ridiculous when I lived in Kansas City, and my. Uh, my tags and my insurance on those three cars was not nearly as much as my insurance is on my one car out here. So it's just, it's very expensive to live out here. So. Well, I, I mean, I know that my husband and I spend the majority of our money on our like housing and then on food. We spend a lot of money on food. <laughs> I mean, like like that's kind of a european thing like i I know like when i saw some stuff like americans spend the least amount of available income on food than any other uh country in the world and i think it's because you know like and i uh, there was a i think i showed it to luke but there was a a 
pretty interesting, and I think I've watched it on YouTube, but there's a pretty interesting thing about uh, these people. They were, um, I, I can't remember where they were. I think they were somewhere in Texas or somewhere, but uh, they were talking about how they couldn't afford to eat healthy. And they go through this whole deal about, you know, all they can afford is eating fast food. They kind of go through it and like, you know, they show them going through the fast food. They're getting the Cokes, they're going through it. And then like they, they get in and they were like, you know, you guys work your ass off. Like, why is it so hard? Like, what's your housing? And they were like, well, we don't have, uh, you know, insurance. So my husband's diabetes medication is over $500 a month. So we have the option of either eating unhealthy and allowing and buying medicine to make him healthy or we could eat healthy, but then he won't get his medicine. And I remember, like, he's type 2 diabetic. I'm like, fuck. Like, talk about a perpetuating deal. So I just always thought that, you know, you either either are going to spend now or spend later. Yeah, you, you pay in the front end or the back end. Yeah, 100%. So what do you got? What's going to be best here? How about this guy? This, and this will be our last one because I know we're running short on time. A couple went unanswered, but that's all right. Um Following Jack Street and train in the evenings, what's the best post-workout meal? Like, that's a pretty broad question, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, if I'm eating with my family roughly 90 minutes after training, do I need a post-workout meal? Like, should he even consider one? Um, he's been told that at the age of 35, stay away from too many supplements to rely on food instead. That means – so he's basically doesn't want to have a post-workout shake, Right. Uh, but wants to make those post-workout shake calories up in the meal 90 minutes later, or should he pack some food for after the gym, even though he's eating dinner 90 minutes later? Uh, I like a better, like I, so, so we were talking about age old debates, like, you know, few amount of meals versus a lot amount of meals. A big one too is a uh, post when uh, post nutrient timing in that post-workout window. Uh, you know, I've heard everything from, you know, 30 minutes inside of an hour is usually the gold standard. Um, for me, I think, uh, you know, as soon as I get done, I can eat. If that's, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, I think that's fine. If you pushed out to 60 or 90 minutes, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, is it, is it really that big a factor is all of a sudden there's going to be some anabolic window that's going to fucking slam shut on you and lock. And then any nutrient that you're going to consume is instantly going to go to your fucking ass. Uh, I don't really buy it. Um, you know, and, uh, just look, but you know, the idea goes, look at the rate of absorption. You chew your food. How long does it actually take to be able to get into the system? Um, you know, in a perfect world, what I would probably have my athlete do is immediately following their workout. I'd probably have them consume a shake of some carb and protein. Well, let's, but let's say you don't want to eat the shake. I think that's kind of what he's getting at is like, what about like, what could he use for a meal? Cause he said later on, he said he, he's trying to stay away from supplements and rely on real food instead. Uh, then I would look for a meal that actually matches the mat or the, or you know, the balance of what you were going to do in the shake. Like if you were going to do a shake that had, I don't know, 40 grams of carbohydrate, 40 grams of protein, I'd probably look and say, all right, I need to get 40 grams of protein, which would probably be right around, I don't know, five ounces of chicken or beef or whatever it is. I mean, I'd probably stick to a chicken to probably keep it pretty lean. Um, and then I'd probably try to get, you know, some 40 grams of carbohydrates, which I think would probably be, you know, right around three, maybe three and a half rice cakes. So, I mean, which sounds terrible, chicken and rice cakes, which sounds disgusting. <laughs> Dude, I used to eat. I mean, you're I used to, that would be like a cup of egg whites. Yeah, egg yes. whites, half a cup of oats, and a banana. 
Yeah, yeah, some something like that. I mean, I'd, I'd probably throw like an apple, or, a, or I'd throw something in quick, and then uh, eat that immediately as I got done, and then eat a meal ninety minutes later. I mean, I, I don't think that's um, uncalled for. I mean, yeah. I, you know, most most recommendations you see normally recommend some form of post workout shake, and the reason that you usually tend to do a shake is because absorption's a lot faster than chewing your food. So, you know, usually take some form of carb and protein post workout. And then eat a, a meal 90 minutes later is usually recommended. I know that was, um, you know, when, I, when we talked to John Meadows, that was a real big deal for him was, you know, he was big into intra-workout, uh, intra like nutrient deal. And then he was like, well, if you're consuming nutrients during the workout, then it really doesn't make sense to have a post-workout meal or a post-workout shake. So then eat a meal 90 minutes later. So um, it's, it's really all, you know, you want to have to skin it. I mean, um, for me personally, um, because we work out early in the morning, I don't like to eat before the workout. And then, um, you know, I don't mind having some form of intra-workout nutrition during that. But I know if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to push my meal out a little bit farther after. I know back in the day I used to do this. And I used to mix sweet potato, coconut milk, and like crock pot shredded chicken just in one little fucking Tupperware. And I used to just crush that. That was really my like my real weird days when I was like really into the the CrossFit and anything Rob Wolf said I did. So was that when you were uh, trying to get that guy to paint you that uh, uh, paint that picture of you on a steed or uh, or something? No, and first off, that's my boy Doug, and I was trying to get him to take a photo shoot of me on a white stallion, and I told you that in confidence. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but so uh, where's I this? Think- where's this at? Where's this painting? That's a thing. I'll, I'll show you these pictures later, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to go one last question I forgot to ask. Someone asks, are the meal plans worth it? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, they're 100% worth it. If you are able to follow directions and meal prep and do what the coach is asking you to do. If you can do that, you will. They're very worth it. They're excellent. Now, if you're the type of person that's going to pay for it, get the information, and then not do anything with it, or more importantly, not fucking follow it at all, and then complain that you didn't meet your, you know, the effects and you didn't see the results, then I think that's problematic. But for most people, and I would say 99% of the people, it removes a lot of the questions and a lot of the stress associated with meal with, with you know planning the meals. Hey, this is where your workout is. This is how I'm timing it. This is what I want you to eat and everything. And you let kind of, uh, you know, Jesus take the wheel a little bit and just hand that over. And, um, you know, that's nice because then you don't have to fucking stress about it. Yeah. And um, I mean, these guys give you a written plan. They check in every week. You tell them what's up. You think you had an idea. They tell you, they give you a better approach. Like, I don't know. It, if, if that is, if that's what's keeping you from, achieving your goals, then obviously it's worth it. You know, I don't know. And, and if you want to see what a sample looks like, go to powerathlete.com, powerathletehq.com slash nutrition and uh, work your way into the meal plan section and it'll give you a sample. You'll see exactly what you get. I just, uh, the meal plans give people direction. I think a lot of people just they have a really good idea of what they should be doing. Um, but they don't quite know how to execute it. So the meal plan just really gives you like a no bullshit, straightforward here, do this. Um, and I think that's just what a lot of people are looking for. So, um, I think it's, they can be really helpful if you're going to, like you said, if you're good at executing, if you're going to meal prep and you're going to listen to what we tell you, um, then 
it's, you know, you can't really get any better than that. All right, kids. Good show. Uh, all about nutrition. I mean, nutrition's blowing up, man. Everybody wants to be in on nutrition. It's like a party in the Facebook group. I mean, doesn't get any better than that. But all right, John. Hey, buddy, don't worry. I'll be back next week. You're, you, won't be, you won't have to just spend time with the clinic. It'll be like me and you, like good old times, DeVito and Schwarzenegger. I, you know what? I gave him one fucking task today was to literally like, hey, uh, I'm going to like, we're doing like, uh, you know, our, like some belt squat work. And I was like, yo, man, I just want you to get a video of me marching. We'll drop this fucking IG thing. And like, he couldn't even fucking make it happen. I'm like, Nate, I'm like, like he's, he's out. I, I don't know. If he's listening to this, Nate, you need to either bring some coffee or show up with donuts or something. You're out. I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm, I think I'm going to send him a text. Be like, Nate, you, you know, I asked you to do one thing and you're out. He, he, he needs to really do something to bring himself back in good graces, Luke. All right, I'll, I'll send over a memo to him. You know, that's what he's all about, official memorandum correspondence via email now since he's like in a guy that has a fucking job. But uh, Tyler, Leah, have a good day. Thanks for hopping on. We'll do this. At, you know, we should do this every, like, every few weeks. Just get a, a solid nutrition episode. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. works. Absolutely. Cool. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Does all of this nutrition talk have you confused? Shh. Ease that big, beautiful brain of yours and let us do the work. We have everything you need to meet your gaining, leaning, or maintaining goals. Head over to powerathletehq.com backslash nutrition for more information on how to fuel the fire that is your performance. Until next time, bye!